really interesting story here. If you look back in Matthew 15, you see kind of a, a little bit of a, a synopsis of what took place uh, as Jesus was traveling through this region. And then we see that the, the Gospel of Mark kind of centers in on this healing of the, of the death uh, the deaf man and, and the man with the speech impediment here. And, and he kind of gives us some lessons that we can learn this morning so that we can uh, learn how to, to minister better. One of the things that I think that really stuck out to me as I was studying for this passage is, is a couple things uh, before we get to those keys that I'm going to bring to you. But the first thing is, is that those men that were with the deaf and, and the, the guy that couldn't speak well, what friends he must have had, you know? Because I want to tell you, in this day and this time we're studying here and we're looking at, is that being deaf and, and being able, unable to speak clearly uh, was, was a bad thing. It, it, was, it was worse than being blind. I think a lot of times we think about blindness and we think, well, how hard it would be, how bad it would be not able to see and, 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 and not know where we're going. But in this day and age, the, the people of this time realized that... Uh, are, 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 I guess lived out and, and showed that people that couldn't speak and hear uh, really, really brought them down to a low level. They, they had no use for people like this. They were, they were unsympathetic toward them. They, you know, I guess that's where we got our saying, you know, deaf and dumb kind of thing from. And so we see that here that this man was, was an outcast. By, by the folks in this, in this generation, in this time period. But he had these men. That stuck out to me uh, more than anything. Here's guys that didn't give up on him. And they brought him to Jesus. Guys, don't give up on your friends. Okay? Don't give up on those that, that maybe seem a little different. That live a little, a little more on the edge than, than maybe what the, the society would say. Don't give up on people. These guys didn't give up on this deaf and, 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 and dumb man. They did not do that. They brought him. And, and brought him to Jesus. Another thing I think that I, that really that kind of drove the title of this message was there in verse uh, 27 when he said, we're extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. Let me ask you a question. Don't you want Fishfield Baptist Church to be a church that does everything well? Everything you do, don't you want to do it well? Praise team, don't you want to do it well? Choir, don't you want to do it well? Youth workers, don't you want to do it well? Uh, st- uh, children's workers, don't you want to do it well? You know, Sunday school teachers, don't you want to do it well? Amen? I'm an amener, okay? Down in West Kentucky, we talk, okay? You talk back to the preacher, so you can. It's okay, it's okay. It's, you know, I'm, you know, it's, it's all right. But we, we see, and we need to understand that my heart's desire is to see churches do things well. It has been a driving force in my ministry for 20, going on 26 years, is to see churches to do things well. Jesus done things well. And if Jesus done things well, then who should we go and look at and model and learn how to do things well? Jesus. And we see that. We have a saying here in Kentucky, uh, or the KFC does, what we do chicken right, right? We want to do ministry right. We want to do ministry well. So I'm going to give you three points today are three keys on how to do ministry well. And I want you to pay attention to these. I want you to write these down. I want you to put them to your heart. And I don't want to give you a bunch of information. I want to give you some, some truth that you can apply so that when Brian gets back, you're going to be ready to help him grow the kingdom of God through Fishville Baptist Church. I've always said at every church as I, I've been is that this, this, this right here, this is the starting point of winning the world for Christ. Fisherville Baptist Church will win the world for Christ, can win the world for Christ. Amen? You can do that from right here in this location. 
Right now you got Pastor Brian, you got uh, Travis out there in, in Utah winning, winning those folks. You've gone on mission trips to, to Africa. You've seen things happen around the world. Guys from Fisherville, Kentucky, right here through this church, you can win the world to Christ. You can do that. And I want to show you how to do that and how we can do it well. The first key is this. We need to look to prayer. Notice in verse 33, uh, we see these words. If I can see. So he took him away from the crowd privately, putting fingers in in the man's ears and spitting. He touched the the tongue, verse 34, then looking up to heaven. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Looking up to heaven. Jesus looked to heaven. Jesus, uh, by looking up to heaven, showed his complete uh, communion and dependence on the Father. He, He was always in constant prayer with the Father. Guys, 1 Thessalonians tells us pray without ceasing, doesn't it? Always pray. And we see here that Jesus uh, was looking up to heaven. He had this man. He was brought into him. The man couldn't speak well. He could not hear at all. And what did Jesus do? He looked to heaven. That should tell us something. We need to look to prayer. We need to be more uh, prayer warriors. We should pray without ceasing. We should be like this. We should model what Jesus did. And as always, depend and communicate with the Father. Have that attitude of prayer. You don't have to stop and bow your head and and, and close your eyes uh, just when you're praying. Guys, we should be in prayer. Right? I will tell you right now, as I'm preaching, I'm communicating with the Father to help me in my mind. And so we need to understand this communication of prayer is what Jesus did. He always had that that time. There was times that Jesus went off, of course. There was times that Jesus had that that private prayer uh, closet time with the Father. But there is always... Always, throughout the day, we should be in communication with the Father some way. In our spirit, that's where Jesus was. And in the times uh, that that we live, uh, this gives us a powerful example. How busy we Christians can become, right? We become so busy uh, with, with ministry, but it should never forsake the time to pray. If I stop this message right now, and I broke us into a time of prayer, and that's all we did the rest of service, it would not be a wasted Sunday. You hear me? Because that is so important and so vital in the life of a church. And I think sometimes we forget that. I love what R. Kent Hughes writes as commentary. I want to share what he, what he writes. And I'm not a big believer in, in reinventing the wheel. And so if someone says it eloquently and, 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 and wonderfully and, and, and in a certain way, I'll, I'll use it. And so I want to use this, uh, uh, this, uh, this quote, this little paragraph from R. Kent Hughes' uh, in his uh, commentary on Mark, it says, Jesus looked up to heaven in the midst of a busy hands-on ministry. It's a powerful message to, uh, to those of us that le- lead an active uh, Christian life. We can be so given meeting the needs of our children that we do not take time to pray for them and thus deny our greatest service. We can be so intent on glorifying God at work by doing a good job that we do not glorify Him in our hearts. We can be so busy doing good things for our neighbors, community, and church that the upward look is a little more than a nervous nod with no real prayer at all. As we minister, we can come to imagine that our service for him is more important than our communion with and love for him. So when there are not enough hours in a day, we give ourselves to prayerless counseling and preaching, thinking God will understand. If I have any sense of where the Christian culture is today, this is our can use, 
I would say our number one sin is sensual, not sensuality or materialism, though they are close behind, but prayerlessness. And I agree. I agree. The hardest, the hardest service to get people to come out to is times of prayer. It is the hardest. Wednesday night used to be prayer meeting night. Now, I know I may sound old, but I'm getting old, okay? But the thing is, the older I get, the more wisdom I see into having a consecrated corporate time of prayer in our churches. Where all we do is we come and not just pray for physical needs, but pray for spiritual needs. Guys, do you realize there's a world out there, and I see a lot of young faces in here, and praise God. I see a lot of you young, young adults in this church. But here's the thing. That generation needs prayer for. They need to be prayed for. They need to, to reach because they're, they're drifting farther and farther away from the Lord and from the church. My wife works in social work, and she is a counselor. She's a therapist, and she's doing addiction counseling now. And she can sit there and tell you the hopelessness and helplessness of, 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 of this younger generation. And what are they going to? There's a, there is, listen. There is a rampant addiction problem going on in this culture. It's not alcohol anymore. It's, it's heroin. Heroin is taking over. Northern Kentucky is horrendous with the problem of heroin. Louisville, Kentucky is becoming horrendous with that problem. Guys, we have got to wake up. And we've got to drop to our knees. And we've got to start seeking the face of God. And start seeking and praying earnestly for the salvation and for the saving of the souls of the next generation. Just being the doors open, come on in time and sit down, doesn't work anymore. You see, the Brooklyn Tabernacle, um, their great pastor up there, Tuesday night, he says, will drive their, 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 their ministry in Brooklyn, New York. It's their Tuesday night prayer meeting. We know that, that, that Spurgeon, when he was preaching at, uh, in, in London, England, at the height of his ministry, he would say there was 300 people in the boiler room down below him praying. Why he was preaching. Guys, there is, there, is, there is something to this. When we look and we see in this passage that Jesus looked up. He looked up to the Father. He looked up in an attitude of prayer. He looked up knowing that, that he was calling upon the Lord to help this, this man who was, who was hurting so desperately. Who was, who was uh, physically and, 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 and unable to hear and, and to speak. He had this attitude of prayer. We need to be praying for our lives to be pure and to be holy. That's our, that's our cause, to be pure and holy people. We need to be praying for our family and our children. We need to be praying for our neighbors. We need to be praying for our churches, its ministries, programs, its need. So today, ask yourself this question because we have a time to respond. Ask yourself, am I committing the, the sin of prayerlessness? Have I allowed busy works to interfere with the kingdom work? If we are to help this darkened world regain its sight, if we are to help this world to, to open its ears to, the, to receive and hear the gospel of Christ, then we must be looking up to heaven. Second key, not to look to prayer, but the second key we see is the sigh of compassion. Jesus here makes, makes this sigh in the same verse, verse 34. He looked up to heaven he sighed deeply. We need to understand that's a sigh of compassion. As Jesus looked up, we see him sigh deeply. And this, this sigh was a sigh of deep compassion. Pastor Brian taught last week. I got to be here for Easter. 
And he was talking about the, uh, the Lazarus tomb. And when he, when he saw Martha and Mary, remember he, he went to the tomb and he saw them there weeping, right? And we see uh, that, that he was moved in the spirit. Jesus was. Well, this move of the Spirit, and this deeply moved in the Spirit, which we read right here in this same text of Mark, it, it is equated to a horse snorting. There was an audible sound that came from Christ's uh, uh, inner, inner being uh, that, that showed his compassion for this man. man he, he audibly uh, made a sound. He was so much, uh, had so much compassion for this person. You and I need to, to think about that for a moment. Perhaps Jesus took this man as he took him to the side, away from everything. Remember, he drew him, he took him and set him to the side and he, when he was going to do his healing. Maybe he sat there and he saw this man. He saw this man who was unable to hear. He saw this man who was unable to speak clearly. He couldn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. He was moved by his pain. Perhaps he was. Moved by the pain that he saw in this man. Maybe he was moved because he saw the sin that was in the world that was on display. Maybe he, he, was, he, he saw the hurt in this man. Can you imagine living in a culture when you couldn't communicate and you couldn't hear people looking at you and ridiculing you and laughing at you and mocking you? Maybe he saw the fallenness of the world. It was just, ah. Oh, oh, this man, oh, he hurts. Father, you know he hurts. He had this awesome side of compassion. What we do know is that Jesus felt incredible passion for this man and his situation. You know, there's three types of tears in which we can, um, we can shed. There are those things called basal tears, which flow continually into our eyes to lubricate our eyeballs and flush away the debris. There's these, what we call reflex tears, and uh, these flow uh, as a response to either pain or contact to an irritant. You know, like when you're copying up an onion. You know, share those. those. Those are... Uh, those would be called reflexive. But then there's only this kind that humankind can shed, and those are emotional tears. They're the only ones that we have, that, that we as humans have. And, and the only reason we can have those is because we were created in the image of God. It's the only human beings can look upon the plight of another and, and shed tears of compassion. Only humans can be brought to tears by the tears of another person. Jesus shed tears at Lazarus' tomb, didn't he? When he said, we read that the Bible says that Jesus wept. It's clear from Scripture that God expects his children to bring forth the tears of heaven to this earth through the exercise of compassion toward one another. We read over and over in Scripture. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians 4.2 says, Be patient, bearing one with one another in love. Romans 12.15 says, Weep with those who weep. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another burdens. William Penn, 
The great Quaker said this, Though our Savior's passion is over, His compassion is not. You and I that are here this morning, we need to ask ourselves this question, Do I have compassion for those who are around me? When I see people who are hurting, do, do we weep? When's the last time we had a good cry over a sinner? When is the last time we wept bitterly over someone with, that had passed away and you know that they're not going to be with, heaven, with Jesus in heaven? When's the last time we really let, let those tears flow because we see the needs of a hurting world and yet we, we see people to stand idly by watching time pass and nothing being done? You see, this compassion brings forth tears. Jesus had this compassion. And if we are to do ministry well, then we must also have this compassion in our hearts. I'm afraid we've almost become a compassionate society when it comes to really weeping over. I think we know the words to say. And we know the attitude of heart that, or the mind, the, the thinking. But our hearts are so hardened to it. We've, we've conditioned ourselves to the right things. You know, as hard of a world that Jesus walked in, the way that he was treated, not a moment did he lose compassion for you and me. When he was up on that cross, he had those words, forgive them, they not know what they do. God, I love these. I'm going for the substitute, the atonement that took place for us. Oh, what love, guys. What compassion. If we were to do ministry well, we need to have that sigh of compassion. Today, when's the last time you've let out a great sigh of compassion for someone? This morning, maybe your hearts need to be turned back to God. And your hearts need to be, 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 be softened again. Maybe today, as we get ready to approach the springtime, maybe your heart today needs to be tilled up. So that God can plant that compassion back in your heart again and your spirit. And then lastly, let me see what time I've got. I don't want to be too short. Brian said I could go for two hours. <laughs> My last key is this. The last key is this. And this is the one. Let me go back since I do have some time. <laughs> Understand these keys I'm giving you, I think, is all based back to the key number one, and that's prayer. Because when I'm praying for somebody, really earnestly praying for people, we're not going to be compassionate toward people. And so if we're not really praying, we're not going to be compassionate. We're not going to have that compassion. It's not going to do this one. And that's, going to, and that's the touch of love. That's the third key is the touch of love. And Christ here shows us this great touch of love. Back in verse 33. This is what I'm talking about being sanitary. You know, for your OCD people that like to wash their hands and all this stuff. This is not for you. Is it? This passage. I'm going, oh, look what he did. Germaphobes. Check it at the door when you're doing stuff for Christ. All you need to do is go on a mission trip overseas somewhere. You'll lose it real quick because there's nowhere to hide. I got to go to Haiti a year and a half ago, and we built an orphanage in Haiti through Northside called Orphan's Heart over there. Uh, and, and, man, I'm going to tell you, there, you, can't, you can't escape dirt in Haiti. It's just impossible, the, the filth those people live in. Um, you want a good mission trip to open your eyes, Haiti's, Haiti's a good one. I can set you up. I can hook you up if you want to go to Haiti. Uh, but it's, uh, 
the ministry fields there are, are wide open. These people are hurting. They need to hear Jesus. Much like this guy, hurting. His friends knew. In verse 34, or 33, we go back and says, So he took him away from the crowd privately. After putting his finger in the man's ears and spitting, he touched the tongue. Okay. The last aspect here, the last key of doing this ministry well is to get our hands in the dirt, guys. It's time to roll up the sleeves. That's what Jesus did here. Jesus shows that he was willing to touch the untouchable. Let me ask you, are you willing to do that? If God said, I want you to stick your finger in that guy's ear for him to hear, would you do that? If God said, I want to spit on, my, spit on your hands and touch the guy's tongue, would you do that? I'm not saying he'll ever ask you to do that. But, the, but, the, but my premise is, my thought, my thought behind this is, would you, how far would you be willing to go to get your hands dirty for someone? How far will you be willing to go to say that I will love this person? And although it makes me in such uneasy, uncomfortable situation, it, it, it repulses me to the point that, that I just want to die. But yet I'm going to do so because of the love of Christ compels me to do such things. You see, this is where Jesus went. This is where, this is where I think a lot of us, that's why I think, that's why I think when we go back to, to praying, Praying, I believe, will help us overcome all kinds of barriers because we're going to see the eyes, the heart. We're going to see that through the eyes of Christ. We're going to develop the heart of, heart of God through praying. We're going to start seeing people as they are. We're going to have that compassion for people. When we have that compassion for people, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to be willing to take our jackets off, roll up our sleeves, and get in there. And that's what Jesus does. He does it right here in this text. He, 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 he put his uh, hands in, in, in the guy's ears. And maybe it was a, a sign to, set, to show the world that, hey, this man is now going to be able to hear. And then he touches his lips or touches his tongue. He spit on it and touched his tongue. Maybe it was to, to show the, those around him as apostles because really that's what this was. His apostles were there and he was showing them. And maybe it was to show that this man is going to be able to speak clearly now. But if you notice, Jesus also spoke that word ephatha which means opened, be open. Now I'm convinced of this. And I could be wrong theologically, and Brian could correct you after I mess you up today. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that I see that, I think Jesus all he had to say was, Ephatha! And I believe his ears would have opened, I believe his mouth would have been able to speak clearly. But he wanted to show us something beyond just being able to speak the word. He wanted to show us if we're going to do ministry well, then we must be willing to get our hands dirty. We must be willing to, to go beyond that comfort of who we are and, and the comfort zone in which we live and say, I'm willing to, to get down here with the nitty-gritty with that person. Where they sit, where they are. And the reason he did it is because of love. We know how much God loves us, Christian, don't we? we? Last week we celebrated the victory over the grave. That Friday before, we saw how much he loved us when he went to the cross and he took the sins, our sins, upon him and he bore them on the cross so that we could be forgiven for all of our sins, both past, present, and future. We see what he did there. The point I believe the Lord is showing us is that touch is powerful. How many of us, when we're hurting, you don't have to necessarily have a hug, but how about somebody just come and put a hand on your shoulder? Just to let you know, I'm here with you. 
I've got you, brother. I've got you, sister. You're mine. We're going to do this together. The handshake, just a touch. Was it you telling me the, the, um, how much people, uh, the percentage of people through touch? It's amazing. Uh, the healing. I don't know. We've got some doctors in here. And as may know, the, the power, the touch of healing is, is so powerful to those who are in a hospital. To those in a nursing home, well, there's nothing better if you go to a hospital nursing home, you go up to somebody and just hold their hand and pray for them and let them know. Boy, there's something about that. And Jesus here is teaching there's power in touch. There's healing power in touching each other. By touching this man, he showed his loving heart. He showed how he wasn't afraid of him. He showed him he was cutting down all the social stigmas that were going on here about the, the death and, 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 and his, his speech impediment. He was saying, I don't care if you can't hear. I don't care if you can't speak. I love you. Now let me heal you. A lot to be said about that. Jesus saying, I'm here. I'm with you and I'm for you. You're a person of value. You're a person of worth. It was showing that his compassion was more than just a feeling. But his, his compassion, his love was active and it was real. I want to tell you this generations, all of our generations, no matter what one we lived in or living in or where we come from, every one of us wants to see that love is real and compassion is real. From the oldest to the youngest, we want to see that, we want to know that. Jesus is showing us that. So today, are you ready to roll up your sleeves? Are you ready to get dirty? John Burke wrote this in a book called No Perfect People. Aloud, No Perfect People Aloud, he wrote this. He said, incarnate truth does not neglect propositional truth, but presents it in love with skin. There are needs all around this church. There are people who need to be touched. They need to see that love lived out through you and me. This is not Brian's job. It's just not Seth's job. It's just not Blake's job. It's just not the deacon's job. It's just not a Sunday school teacher's job. It's every one of us who are born again believers in Jesus Christ's job to love each other and to love people and to pray for people and to have compassion on people and to touch people. If you want to move on with another phase of this and, and continually always be in that, that, that beautiful uh, uh, educational wing there in the multi-purpose gym area there, the gymatorium, then let's do that. I'm going to tell you right here today, you start touching, you start praying, you start uh, being compassionate, you will have to maybe build a whole new uh, worship center because people want that. And there's thousands and thousands of people within this church area, within five miles of this church, to surpass Southeast Christian in membership that don't go to church anywhere. But guys, it's up to us as Christians. It's up to you and me to do these things. The church should never have a need that goes unmet. You know why? You belong to it. Our community as a whole should never go without hope. You know why? You live in it. This world should never go without the gospel. You know why? 
You serve it. Church, it's time. It's time. Jesus gives us these words. Verse 34 in Matthew's Gospel 25, 34, and 36. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then verse 40. And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. If we do these things that Jesus has shown, then we too will be known as a church that does everything well. Key one, look up. Look to pray. Pray for each other. Key two, have that sigh of compassion. Let that audibly, figuratively, emotionally, spiritually just get into your core when you see people hurting. Have compassion of Christ. And then roll your sleeves up. Third key, touch with the touch of love. This morning, will you do that? I challenge you to do that as a church. That you take these keys, you plug them into your heart, you turn that heart over to God, and you move forward from here. Let's pray.